listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. All right, hey, thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, We are in a series called Good Song, Bad Theology. And, uh, you know, I I hope that this series would be a fun, light, airy sermon series, but... And it really seems like we've really been digging in and God's been really speaking, speaking a lot, uh, you know, to a lot of you. And so I am thankful for that. Um, so I was hoping we could come up for air a little bit, but um, I'm just glad God's been using the series to uh, really impact so many of you. Um, and so today we have a song that we're going to play that reaches you millennials. Now we've been, we've, we've had, I'm going to miss her. We've had Mbop. We've had, uh, we've had carry on wayward son. And so we've tried to hit all the different genres and we've tried to hit some different um, decades. And so, uh, millennials, Hey, this one's for you guys. This is for all you young people out there. It's a song by Olivia Rodrigo called driver's license. Now, before we play it, I just want you to know, we are going to go ahead and mute the stream because we don't want to get kicked off of YouTube. <laughs> Like or, or uh, Facebook, like we did last week, and so um, I'm going to go ahead and mute that. We're going to stop the you know stop the stream for just a second, and we will come back once that song's played. But here's what we're going to do today: we're going to listen to "Driver's License" by Olivia Rodrigo. Here we go. <laughs> All right, now come on, guys. What do you think about that one, huh? I mean, my goodness, if relational teen angst was a, a song, it would have to be "Driver's License" by Olivia Rodrigo. Um, you know, what though do we do with brokenness and pain? What do we do with it? And one of the worst things that humans do is that we run towards things that heightens our pain rather than reducing our pain. For some reason, we tend to medicate in the midst of pain or we'll fill our schedule with things so we don't have to think about it or we'll engage in what we would consider reckless behavior. And all of it is trying to stop the pain. It's we don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be abandoned. We don't want to be hurt. We don't want to be broken up. And so we'll do anything we can to make sure that we're not experiencing the pain that we're feeling in that moment, whether that's some type of medication or a drug or a schedule or reckless living. And it raises really a deeper philosophical question, though. Why do we experience hurt? I mean, couldn't God just snap his fingers and it's all over with? Like, I mean, has anybody ever tried to sell you Christianity with that? Oh, you say yes to Jesus and everything's great. I want you to know if anybody's ever told you that, that's a lie, bro. Like, Christianity will force you to deal with stuff that you'd rather not deal with. You know, axes that are buried that you'd rather keep buried there. Problem is, is if you have a field full of stuff that you buried, you can't produce anything from it. So you've got to deal with the junk so that we can use the land. God wants to use you. He wants to use your heart. But if you've got so much stuff from your past, the hurts, the pains, the brokenness buried there, well, how can he put a seed in it? Sometimes people make bad choices that hurt us. You can't forget that free will is still, in, is still active. And if, God, if you wanted God to change free will, if you wanted God to force someone to stop doing something that was wrong, let me ask you a question. Do you want him to start with you? Sometimes the fallen state of the world wreaks havoc upon us. You know, that explains why there are illnesses and cancer. Why I'm going to Bethesda tomorrow to take my kid to a doctor to give her medicine so her body doesn't fight herself to death. How come you aren't fixing that, bro? Because maybe God has a bigger plan for my daughter than, than just healing a, a sickness in an instant. Maybe God wants her to get around some people first to get the atmosphere perfect before he pulls the trigger. Sometimes we make bad choices that hurt us. <laughs> Don't cut yourself out of this. 
Sometimes it's you. Jesus never promised a pain-free life. John 16, he says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Okay, so first step is you get peace in the middle of whatever you're dealing with. Number two, in the world you will have tribulation. That means you are going to experience trouble. Get ready for it. It's going to happen. It's not an if, it's a when. But what does Jesus say? Take heart. I have overcome the world. Isn't it interesting that we always acclimate heart, uh, um, hope to our heart? Uh, David said, I would have given up hope had I, had I not seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. So, so we have to have that. We have to have that hope. And our hope is in Jesus Christ to be able to help us through these things. Now, it would have been much easier to have everything fixed for us. But we really learn a lot when we're in a crisis. I heard a TikTok this week. Y'all know, up on, um, you know I'm on a TikTok, y'all. Come on. Like, where, how come y'all ain't friending me on TikTok yet? Because we're looking at kitty cat videos. Okay, whatever, man. Free me on TikTok. Let's, let's share some videos. But here's what T.D. Jake said this week. In fact, uh, Matt sent this to me. Man, this was awesome. Here's what T.D. said. Everything I learned about God that mattered came through a crisis, not a promotion, not an advancement, not a check in the mail, not the accolades of man. That doesn't teach you anything. Going through sickness and pain and chaos and trouble and heartbreak and disgrace and embarrassment and frustration and humiliation and depression and grief unbearable. That's really where I learned who he was. Look back at your life right now. Let me ask you a question. Did you learn more in the good times or more in the bad times? Did you learn about his faithfulness when everything was great? Because here's what we tend to do. When the fair weather is coming along, we tend to just let back and be, all right, I got God, I got this. It's when stuff starts hitting the fan that we go, oh, Lord, y'all better get around me and pray with me. We learn about God's faithfulness, not in the good stuff, but in the bad stuff. Wherever you are in crisis, there are Three things I really want to focus on today, and, and if Olivia Rodrigo would have focused on these things, perhaps her devastation wouldn't have been so big, her heartbreak wouldn't have been so huge. So um, let's take some stuff from this song, and, and let's figure out um, what, what God wants to say to us today. Amen? Y'all with me? Yeah. Let's take a deep dive. Number one, God, only you complete me. Yeah. Only you complete me. Come on, let it be a confession of your heart now. God, only you completely. Only you do. When we hear this phrase, we almost always think about a person. And if you watch Jerry Maguire, you think of Dorothy. Jerry goes, Dorothy, you complete me. She goes, shut up. You have me a hello. You have me a hello. All right? Come on, y'all saw it, right? You complete me. Listen to this from Deidre Pruitt, marriage counselor and therapist. Completing another person is a fantasy. The reality is love is meant to complement your great life, not create it. What a word. Come on, some of y'all need to embrace that right now. You are looking for all these things to complete you. Those things are meant to complement your great life, not complete your great life. So, who really completes you? Let me read you from Colossians today. Chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. I'm going to give you the ESV, and then I'm going to give you the message. Now, I told you before, don't take the message necessarily as a hardcore gospel because it is, it is somebody, it's Eugene Peterson's thought process and understanding. It's not necessarily inspired, but I do think that it helps us kind of see things from a different perspective. And so it's something good to read, but um, I mean, I wouldn't build my life on it. I would build my life on what the Bible says, you know, traditional translations. Uh, here's what the Bible says. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile 
uh, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were an alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless, above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, all of which I, Paul, became a minister. Let me give you the bottom line. He completes you. Listen to how Eugene Peterson says it. We look at this son and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. Come on, church. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place uh, in him without crowding. Not only that, but all of the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people, things, animals, atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in, the, in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. You yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time, all of you had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy in His presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets the same message. I, Paul, am a messenger of this message. If something else could complete you, why in the world would you need Jesus? If your wife could complete you or your husband could complete you or if your job could complete you, why would you need Jesus? Now, let me take it a step further. If a noun can complete you, then doesn't it stand to reason that a noun can destroy you? If a person, place or thing can complete you, then what does it mean if you lose that person, place or thing? If you build the whole your whole life, for instance, around the notion that you are uh, you are good looking, man, and you're good looks. Now, I know it's hard for me. I, I struggle with that, you know. <laughs> Calm down, y'all. Wow, y'all really didn't laugh at that. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's what betrayal feels like. Um, if, if that's what defines who you are, what happens when your looks fade? If money is the motivator, what happens when you go broke? Or worse, what happens if you make all the money in the world, but you look behind you and there's a path of brokenness because money was all that mattered to you? Whatever that thing is that completes you, who are you if you lose it? But when, when Jesus completes us, then we're whole and complete and fulfilled, not just in this life, but in the next life. We're lacking nothing. Look at what it says in James 1 and 4. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Isn't it interesting that your completeness comes when you connect Jesus with the trials that you go through? I wrote this down this morning. Growth happens with pressure, not with pleasure. It's pressure. It's the problems in your life to get you closer to Jesus. And could it be, now just hear me for a second. 
Could it be that God allows you to endure the mess that you've gone through because he knew if he snapped his fingers and fixed everything, it meant he lost you too. Sometimes God will allow things in your life. He doesn't create the problems in your life, but he will definitely use the mess that Satan, that Satan started because he knows that if, he will, if you will just go through this endure, you will cling to him. What is it that completes you? If it's Jesus, then man, let's go. Yes. Keep rocking and rolling. Show other people how to do that. But if it's not, let me just ask you a question. How's that working out for you? How's that working out? Number two, God, only you satisfy. Not, not the dude that she was going to go to the driver's license office and now she's driving around town looking for the dude. Like, Not that dude. That's not going to complete you. Your driver's license ain't going to complete you. Writing a, a, a Grammy award-winning hit is not going to complete you. It's not going to satisfy you. It's not going to make you go, oh, finally, I can rest. There's a Navy SEAL. Um, I heard him at Gateway one time at, at Men's Summit. And he said, my whole life, all I wanted to be was a SEAL. And so I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked. And I became a SEAL and I was going out on missions. And about six months after I became a SEAL and I'd done several missions, um, I was sitting in, in the barracks one day and I was sitting on my bed and he said, it just came to me. Now what? My whole entire life has had this one singular focus and I've achieved it. Now what am I supposed to do with my life? And he said in that moment, he heard the voice of the Lord for the first time. And the Lord spoke to him and said, there's more to life than some goal you have. Changed everything for him. Is that the same for you? Will that change you? Oftentimes, satisfaction and reciprocation go hand in hand. You might hate your job, but you're satisfied when you get the check that your job gets you. You might feel disadvantaged in a relationship, but certain benefits help bring satisfaction because there's at least some reciprocation. Now, a lot of times we can see this in like a marriage relationship. You know, uh, the husband makes the money and the wife cleans the house. There's like this give and take or whatever. But it could be in situations too where it's like um, you don't have a dad that really loves you, but he buys you things. And so there's a level of satisfaction that comes with at least you got something. At least you're not empty handed. As jacked up as that is. There's at least some level of satisfaction that comes with that. And it's all tied to the reciprocation of that. But what happens when there's no reciprocation or you stop seeing the benefit you're getting from your engagement with that person? This is when relationships break down. They, be they emotional, work-related, whatever the relationship is. I mean, imagine you went to work all week long and your boss said, you know what, I'm not paying you this week. How would that go for you? Uh, come again? <laughs> Like, I've seen those TikToks where people go in and they, like, destroy all the construction they just did that week. You've seen that before? That's what happens. Success is finding satisfaction and getting a little more than you take. This is what Christopher Reeve said. It's not bad. It's, it's, it's beautiful and it's largely true, but when someone takes something exponentially more than, than they give, then what? And that's the problem. This is what we see in the song. This girl obviously loved this guy. All right, uh, heart pining for this guy. It's clear in this line. I just can't imagine how you could be so okay now that I'm gone. You ever had a friendship or relationship that the person leaves and they're like, they seem like they're perfectly fine? Now, maybe this fellow is okay. And, 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 and this, this fellow, he's being so okay and all that kind of stuff because it's a defense mechanism that's keeping him from feeling the despair. Maybe that's what it is. It could be that he really loved her, but for some reason, he just couldn't stay with her. Or maybe he didn't love her. So then what she left with in the song, well, yeah, broken heart, sure. But also routine, routine trips to the places they were 
trying her best to keep what she loved alive. So maybe this is just a silly teenager song, (laughs) and it could just be a silly teenager song. But maybe we could really learn a big lesson here. And I don't know really what's more heartbreaking in this moment. I don't know if it's her heartbreak that she was feeling, the hurt that she was feeling, or the fact that she still hung up on something that didn't love her back. Something, and not just someone. She wasn't just in love with the dude. She She was in love with the idea of him as well. She was in love of who she was with him as well. And too easily we get our identity from things that we love. We put all of our effort and all of our love into these things and we get our identity from and we feel like we are receiving love back from these things. And, and, and that can be easy. It can be really easy because love provides a sense of security and affirmation, okay? But sometimes we get in trouble because those things don't always love us back so we're letting something that has no concern or care for us define us. I mean, what is love really? And what's love got to do with it? Got to do, got to do with it. I could do that next week. I don't know. We'll see. What is love really? One, one, the dictionary defines it as a deep feeling of affection. Is that all it is? I found this one, and I like this, quote, uh, this uh, definition. Love is an action based on conscious decisions to value others. Because love is a choice. Y'all do know that, right? It's a feeling. It's a choice. It is a choice. Okay? When we love, we make a conscious decision to value someone or something. But what about when that person or thing doesn't reciprocate? If we made them our source that completes us, where we get our satisfaction, our identity even, then you know what we get? We're lost. So she's left with car rides and flashbacks to help her keep a grip on an idea that left her at least a week ago. How many of you are living that right now? Where emotionally or spiritually or mentally, you get in your car and you drive past the places that felt good, that felt wholesome, that affirmed the love that you had, even though that thing or that person doesn't love you back. How many of you are driving around, going back to the places where you felt rejected and where you felt hurt and where you felt abandoned? And you're trying to feel something different, but you can't because all you're feeling is the experiences that you had back in the past. I want you to know something. God's got a better plan for you than that. He's got a better future for you than that. So what am I saying here? I'm saying this. Be careful you don't spend your life chasing something that will never love you back. Driver's License, uh, this is a magazine. They said driver's license is a rallying cry for everyone who's pined for someone who didn't love them back. You know, too often we see this as a person and not as a thing. Uh, expectations, ambition, I'll show you kind of mindsets, and even sin. These, these things will never love you back. The trade-off for these things is not satisfaction, it's death. Let me explain how real quick. Expectations, they elevate a mindset over God's thoughts about you. You have an expectation and it doesn't work out, what happens to you? Heartbroken. What if that's not what God wanted for you? Well, what's God know? (laughs) Do you want to go down that road? Take a breath. That's what God knows. And he knows how many more of those you have. Remember, Mbop? That's what we talked about. Mbop is the second. What about this one? Ambition drives you recklessly into a future that is not God's best for you. Living to prove something often results in fulfilled prophecy. I'll never be like my dad. (laughs) Okay. Sin simply begets death. But God has a better plan for you than a noun completing and satisfying you. 
I can't help but think of the woman at the well when I think about this. And we see this in John chapter 4. Let me read this to you. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have, not, have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who, is, who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty. I have to come here to draw water. (laughs) Maybe the woman at the well's name was Olivia Rodrigo. (laughs) And she'd just gotten her driver's license as well. Or maybe, maybe she was just like us. Maybe she chased so hard after things that we, she thought would satisfy. Things that don't love her back. Things that don't make conscious decisions to value herself or other people. Maybe we do that too. And rather than help us, they take advantage of us, they hurt us, and they leave us. Here's my point. We have to be willing to walk away from things that are taking life and embrace the only thing that brings life. And, man, this takes some serious introspection. This takes some self-awareness that might be a little uncomfortable for people. It might mean that one of your friends that, remember, knows you, knows God, loves you, loves God, and has your best interests in mind, maybe, maybe you need that person to sit down with you over some coffee and for you to say, listen, I'm struggling in some areas and I want to just lay myself bare here and I want to hear your honest opinion of, about me, what you think about me, what you think about my situation, what you think about my struggle. They might just tell you what they think. But remember, they know you, but they also know God. They love you and they love God. And here's the last one, they have your best interest in mind. You need all of those working together to help you get to the place God wants you to be. You know what Olivia Rodriguez needed? She wasn't a, a, it wasn't a driver's license. What she needed was someone to stop her and say, listen, I know you're hurting, but you're worth more than pining over something that couldn't see the value in you. Maybe some of y'all need to hear this right now. I know you're hurting. Listen, I know you're hurting. But God has a bigger plan for you. And He thinks a bigger thing about you than what the person or the thing thought of you that didn't value you to begin with. You hear me? I want, I want you to hear God speaking this to you. You are valuable. You're worth something. You're worth an incredible amount. You know how much Jesus died for you. You're worth everything. And I'm, I'm really, I really hate this notion. I hate this thing that Satan does where what he does is he convinces us that we are what other people say and think about us. And so what we do is we stop digging into what God thinks and what God says. And we allow those other things to give us identity. And when those things leave us, we find ourselves driving back and forth, trying to figure out who we are and what we're about. Come on, if we'll just embrace what God thinks about us, what he says about us, the plan that he has for us. Well, I don't know any of that stuff. Well, you have a church here, right here, a group of people that are dedicated to helping you figure that out.
I know we weren't perfect, but you've never felt this way for someone. If there's one thing I've learned about Jesus, it's whatever love I've felt and experienced here on this earth, it pales in comparison to how much he really loves me. And if you want to help, if you want some help in that, there's a book out there called Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves, and it will jack you up. You think you know God's love. You don't know anything. We don't know anything about God's love, y'all. And when you run into a tidal wave of his love, it changes everything. It makes you love people differently. It makes you love yourself differently when you see how much he really loves you. So here's my plea. Here's my plea for you today. Turn around. Drive home. Forgive. Let go. Move forward. No, that's real easy to say, isn't it? How? How do we do it? Well, it starts with embracing the only love that satisfies, and that's Jesus. Like, you need to give your life to him. And I'm not talking about that mamby-pamby Sunday morning you. I'm talking about your whole life, every room in your heart, because Jesus is all or nothing. He's not going to do this little, well, I'll take just a piece of you. No, he wants all or nothing. That's Christianity. But, you know, maybe, maybe it includes you getting around some people who actually care enough to help you get past it. Let me pull one more lyric from the song in this section. And all my friends are tired of hearing how much I miss you, but I kind of feel sorry for them because they never really, they'll never know the you, they'll never know, oh my goodness, because they'll never know you the way that I do. It's so appall, appall, you know, abhorrent, I can't even get it out. Let me ask you this, what if they did know him? What if they weren't surprised that she was doubting herself, questioning her own value, comparing herself to others, that blonde girl, that having her insecurity exposed? What if they weren't surprised by his unfaithfulness? Her singular focus was on what she thought completed her, satisfied her, but it blinded her to the truth that the others may already have known. Can you relate to that? Can you relate? God, only you completely. Completely me. Oh, God, only you satisfy. Here's the last one. God, only you are faithful. Faithful, steadfast in allegiance and affection. Why this point? Could have gone a lot of different directions. I could have tagged into this insecurity she felt because, oh boy. Well, let me, let me just give you that one just for free. Um, think what God thinks about you and not what some dude thinks about you. Okay? Right. Problem solved. Yeah. But he affirms, he makes me feel better. Okay? If you need him to constantly make you feel better, again, let's go back. Who are you when he's gone? I need this job, okay? If you get fired tomorrow, who are you? So Jesus has to complete you, not things. But why this point? I could have gone a lot of ways. When we find ourselves in a scenario like I've described today, we really need faithfulness from God. His faithfulness, it steadies us in times of chaos. And there's this verse in 2 Thessalonians 3.3, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Isn't that awesome? Not only is he faithful. God's reminded us, hey, I'm faithful. And let me prove to you that. Let me show you how I'm going to do that in your life. Number one, I'm going to establish you. All the shakiness and the waving and the back and forth and the I don't know and all that. I'm going to establish you solid on a rock to where the waves and the wind can affect you. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to surround you and keep the enemy from impacting you. Come on, man. That's a promise, y'all. God's faithfulness often comes in two forms, through himself, through his word, leading the Holy Spirit in his voice, and through godly people. So let me tell you really quickly about himself, the word. When you don't know what to do, where to go, how to respond, when you feel lost and confused and abandoned and devalued, the word will always remind you of who he says you are and will provide a path for you moving forward. Why you always tell me to read the Bible? That's why. That's why. I could talk to you for, until I'm blue in the face. 
This message will be probably around 40 to 45 minutes and then we're done. But God can continue to speak with one little phrase. My goodness, go back and read 2 Thessalonians 3.3. Jack you up, son. Like, come on, man. That's what the word can do to you. Like last week, we mentioned that it cuts deep to divide even the bone and the marrow. This means that the word can get in there and really isolate and expose and deal with all these mindsets that are not God's will for your life. And you need this. You really need it. The second part is the Holy Spirit. Uh, The main thing I wrote here is that the Holy Spirit will just remind you of your sonship or your daughterhood. That's what he'll do. He'll remind you of his love for you. He'll guide you into all truths. And 2 Peter 1.3 says that by his divine power, God has given you everything you need to live a godly life. You find that you're lacking something to live godly life? Well, God, this is hard. I don't know if I can do this. Okay, great. God got you. He does that by the Holy Spirit. And lastly, his voice. You know, one word from God changes everything. Sometimes that comes through the written word. Sometimes it's the unction. That's the old school word, unction of the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes it's the still small voice. But, but remember, remember, God speaking to you is always subject to God's written word. Because God speaking to you is always subject to your specific interpretation, your experiences, your thought processes. But the word never changes and it remains the same in spite of your specific situation. So if you hear God speaking to you, awesome. I want you to hear God speaking to you. Make sure it lines up with the word says to you. Lastly, through godly people, you can never be who God created you to be in isolation. Proverbs 18.1, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. The isolated seeks his own desire. I thought about Terry Clark's song, I Just Want to Be Mad for a While. Come on. Come on, ladies. I'm talking to y'all for a second. Right? Ah, guys do it too, don't we? You ever just want to be mad? Like somebody's over there trying to reconcile. You're like, you know, I don't even want to talk, so I'm going to be mad for a minute. That's isolating. That's what that is. When you're hurting and broken, isolation soothes your flesh because it gives your feelings a place to stir and ferment. And that process heightens every negative emotion in feeling that moment. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Isolation ignores the very thing God is providing for you to remember no matter the circumstances, no matter the pain, God is present. He loves you and he's faithful. I have a friend that's gone through one of the worst things he's ever experienced in his whole life. And you know what I love the most about him is that he chose to lean hardcore into the people around him to help him process this. He could have run. He could have thrown his hands up and said, I'm over, I'm done, forget about it. But instead, he chose to embrace this pain and get better. It's the best thing he could have done. Very proud of him for that. How does this song change if she had a godly friend in the passenger seat? How does, how does your life change if you had a godly friend in your passenger seat? What if a friend said something like this during the trip? I know you're sad. I get it. But you're so valuable to God. You're valuable to me as a friend. I hate he couldn't see the beauty that God created in you. You're so focused on what, what we can't see. In, uh, you are so focused on what he can't see in him that, that you've forgotten what's inside of you. God made you, not this guy. God has a plan for you, not this guy. Yeah. And while I know it hurts having someone reject you and say they don't love you and, and to leave you, I just want to remind you of how faithful God is. I want you to remind you of how he loved you and how much you mean to him, how much you mean to us, how much we love you, and and, and even how much God loves you. He knew this was going to happen. God knew it. Maybe he's wanting to use this to remind you of his faithfulness 
and even to clear the way so that you can walk off the plan for he, that he had for you all along. Maybe that God just didn't belong in God's plan for you. But I want you to know I'm here. God's here. He's faithful. And you're not alone. That's who she needed in the passenger seat. Maybe I can be the guy in the passenger seat for you today. Maybe you needed to hear that. Maybe you need to hear God's got a bigger plan for you than the thing that's hurting you. God's got a better plan for you. And I hate that there's certain people that are not in your life right now anymore or certain things that are not in your life anymore. But I want you to know it's okay. God didn't wake up this morning and go, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? He knew before he said, let there be light. And he already has a plan formulated to help you deal with this. He's got people around you right now to help you deal with this. In fact, God will move heaven and earth to get you to the exact spot that you need to be so that he can work this stuff out of you and work his goodness into you. I want you to know you're valued and you're loved. And that whatever the circumstance you're dealing with, it's not over. So where do we go from here? We acknowledge the hurt. We confess our part in it. We embrace God's truth that only He comforts and satisfies. We lean into God's faithfulness through Himself and godly friends. We release our pain back to the cross knowing that Jesus has a plan. And we forgive others and ourselves. And we move forward. I want you to just leave that on the screen. I want you to see that this is the path. Maybe this is just a dumb, silly, teeny bopper song, but it highlights a precious scenario. And I'm not saying just ignore your pain and just get over it and deal with it, whatever. I'm saying whatever you're chasing right now, wishing it was different, whatever you've loved but never loved you back, whatever convinced you it would complete you and satisfy you, it's time to embrace the truth. It was probably never good for you to begin with. Can we take a moment to pray? Would you bow your heads for just a moment? And the reason I'm asking you to do that is just so you can focus on the Lord right now in this moment. Holy Spirit, we need you right now. I know some people here, they feel, they feel the weight and the pressure of the stuff that's in this song. It might be a person, it might be a thing, it might be a mindset. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now to cut through the noise, cut through the emotion and the lies and get to the truth. God, we acknowledge the hurt. We ask you to forgive us for our part in it. We release that pain to you, Jesus. We lean in your faithfulness in this moment. We thank you for it, Lord. Here's your chance right now to start anew. Here's your chance to say yes to Jesus. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I, nobody's looking around. I just want you to take a moment right now and raise your hand and say, I need to get my life right. I need to give him everything. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Thank you, God. I'm going to stop playing games with Jesus. I'm getting serious. He didn't make it hard. He didn't make it difficult. You don't have to come to the altar and cry your face off. I just want you to say this. Everybody say this with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess you as Lord. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you were raised again. I give you everything. You are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. If you said that and you meant it, and you believe that, then you're saved. If you meant it, God means it. Welcome to the family. 
Now, maybe here's your opportunity to embrace God's plan for you. Maybe you've been on a wrong plan and you need to get it right. Just confess that to him. Hey, God, over the next few days, over the next three days, I pray that you would show me what's broken in the plan that I've been walking and how I can get it right. And lastly, here's your moment to stop chasing what was never meant to be. Come on, it was never meant to be, no matter how much you wanted it. And I don't want you to sit here and think, oh, well, that means I can divorce my wife. The preacher said so. It's not what I'm saying. If you're married in here and you're having problems, you fight for it like you'd fight for air. You fight for that woman. You fight for that man. You fight like there's no tomorrow. Don't you give up. Don't you quit. Now, at some point, you can't make the other person change. But as it's up to you, you fight. You got some people around here that help you do that. Maybe you just need to embrace the complete faithful satisfaction that you can only find in him. That's what I'm asking you to do today. That's what I'm asking you to do. Father, we thank you for it. We praise you for it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and his people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.